Hi, my name is Sally Baker. I'm a senior therapist and absolute fan of reality television, celebrity goss and all things trash TV. I'm a massive fan of Love Island and have been following it for very many series now. So I'm happy to bring you my take on the first week. Hi there. Every series of Love Island, the producers are tasked with assembling a group of contestants that are going to make compulsive viewing for the whole of the summer. The producers' conundrum is their duty of care, so it's the need to balance engaging personalities with evidence of adequate emotional stability to survive the media fallout that comes with a rapid claim to fame. This year, it looks as though their caution has given them mostly a collection of interchangeable boy-next-door types and typically pretty, swishy-haired girls. So Love Island is already a place where being a brunette is considered edgy and the most beautiful and characterful of the original girls in Love Island this series are Amber and India, women of colour who have historically been the most frequently cancelled by this show's narrow margin of, of what's seen as desirable candidates. And when the white boys talk about their top three, they are referring to the top three white girls. The whole who's your top three has become a bit of a thing this week. Love Island's imperative is to push us to care about the contestants as quickly as possible so that they snare us, the viewers, into loyally committing our attention to their trials and tribulations as quickly as possible so that we are there from day one, continuing all the way through the summer. For economic reasons, ITV2 banks on this show to have to provide it with record-breaking viewing figures. So the dilemma is that the more ITV2 has to beef up its psychological profiling because of Ofcom threats and because of what's happened in previous series to improve its duty of care for the contestants, the more unremarkable their choices appear to be. So what we've got with the girls are a bunch of very pretty girls, and what we've got with the boys is a very handsome bunch of boys, but then none of them are particularly compelling. None of them, you don't look at them and think, oh my goodness, they're amazing. And they do seem fairly interchangeable. I mean, certainly for the first couple of days and episodes, I had to keep checking names because they really did seem easy to confuse. And what happens when they're easy to confuse is we don't commit to them. We don't, we're not interested in them. We're not captivated by them, which is why, Love Island tried to um, hook us in by showing initially footage of them in their real life jobs so that we could see them being paramedics. We could see them waitressing, but we could also, or dancing or whatever they were doing, but we could also see from their social media profiles that uh, although some of them had ordinary jobs, they were far from ordinary people. So series of eight, series eight feels like we have an interchangeable set of breasts and abs and the personalities are at best inoffensive or verging towards the laddish. Showing us the islanders in their previous real-life jobs before they entered the villa was one way of demonstrating to us, the viewers, that the contestants are real people. This is just another ploy by the producers to choose seasoned candidates now. We've got people who are socially social media savvy. That's what the producers have gone for because they thought it was going to be a safe bet.
They thought the contestants would be up to the rigours of what's going to happen to them when they come out of Love Island. Uh, and they're not just going to be greenhorns. So, you know, we've got we've got siblings or daughters of famous people and we've got people whose relatives have already been on Love Island and we've got people with massive social media followings. But, you know, they're trying to avoid controversy and they walked right into the first controversy on day two with the bombshell Dave David, the Italian bomb, bombshell, showing an interest and eventually pairing off with Gemma. And there's an eight-year age gap. David is 27 and Gemma is, is seven, no, 19. So this seven-year age gap has caused a storm amongst the public and the public are really unhappy with this happening where a girl fresh out of high school um, is seen with someone who's having conversations with her about settling down, whether um, how many kids she wants, how does she know how many children she wants? She's just out of childhood herself and she's certainly not going to be looking forward to settling down. Gemma is an interesting character because she comes, She we know she's Michael Owen. I'm not sure they know in the villa or they're certainly not showing it on television. We know that she's Michael Owen's daughter. We know that she comes from quite a privileged background. But we also know that her life is has been touched with sadness because of the problem her younger brother has with his eyesight and sometimes she comes across as incredibly brusque and people can take this as she's just very entitled that's what comes when you're raised in a millionaire lifestyle she's already an equest an international equestrian sportswoman in her own right she's well traveled but her lack of uh, being able to socially stroke and have eye contact with people that she's talking to means that she can come across as very, uh, very cold and quite brutal. It certainly hasn't helped that Liam was paired with her and really, really fell for her. And um, when David came into the house and she was drawn to him, she went to Liam, Liam's left because he, he was actually scouted by Love Island. So Love Island wasn't at an, an atypical destination for him. They thought he'd be a good match for Love Island, but maybe he found out even within the first week that this wasn't a good destination for him. And being, you know, being disappointed in love and Gemma coming up to him saying, even though I'm I'm going to be with David now, I would still want to carry on getting to know you. And whether that just wasn't shown on camera or not, or whether she actually never went near him again, but it looked like she just blanked him and wasn't going to spend any more time with Liam. And taking advice from your friends, that's been quite an eye-opener for some people that, you know, when you ask friends for advice, they they couch it in terms that they want, they think you want to hear. So when the he when Liam said to the boys, you know, what shall I do now? Uh, and they all said, just, just graft, boy, just graft, you know, back yourself, back yourself. You can win her back, was well meant but really not helpful because there was no way he was going to be able to win her back she'd already locked stock and two smoking barrels gone for david and he was out so he's had lots of disappointments and when he went on the date with the two bombshell girls nothing was jelling for him there so he's gone now so let's just hope he has good quality uh counseling and therapeutic intervention when he gets home just to kind of smooth out that this was never his gig and it's not about him, it's about the system, it's about Love Island. So um, when you have, when you take on a bunch of contestants that are already quite savvy, 
the downside to this plan is that the contestants are already quite knowing and perhaps even too cynical to be authentic. One of the complaints that David said several times is that the girls are sleeping and they need something to come and shake them up. And we've seen the boys talking to the boys and the girls talking to the girls, but we've actually seen very little interaction between the two groups. And it does make one wonder if people who are that handsome or that pretty out in the real world are just simply not used to working at anything, working, grafting, or even not, you know, used to having conversations and getting to know someone. They're used to having a lot of attention paid to them for just being, not for doing, but just for being. And that doesn't work on television. It makes for really dull television. And that's kind of what we've had all week. Um, but the girls, faster than the boys, have have reminded themselves, uh-uh, we're supposed to be pairing up. This is Love Island. We're supposed to be in couples. It's loved up couples that win this program, win the 50 grand, win the high profile eight weeks down the line. So they have really, really tried against all odds to engage with the boys. And India, who is a complete and utter showstopper in real life, Having watching her having to kind of struggle to make um, conversation with Ikenna um, and also Amber with Dam Dammy when we it's just been tortuous. Um, most of the girls are really underwhelmed by the boys that the public chose them to couple up with, um, and India's expression of disinterest in IKEA in Ikenna was real and fleeting because she's savvy, so she knows she's got a tuck that away and not make too big a deal of it. In early chats together, Ikenna and India were positively hostile with each other. And it was obvious by their attitude that there was no chemistry there. And I, I still don't believe after a week now that there is. Um, Dami and Amber recommitted at the recoupling, but I, I'm still not sold. I don't think there's anything happening there. So, I mean, the girls are cracking on and trying to spark an interest in their partners. It's a pity Dama, Dami didn't get the memo about grafting and there is no way his non-committal disinterest would have been tolerated by India in real life. She would have just kicked him to the curb. The girl code has been growing from day one. Um, the girls have kind of been thrown together because they find that whoever they've been coupled with fairly underwhelming. And it's made the girls closer in their discussions with the boys because of this very thing. The girls agree that they think men are full of red flags, but then, then they all say that they like bad boys. And aren't bad boys the biggest red flag of all? Tasha announced on day one about her cochlear implant for her hearing. And the girls very quickly demonstrated physically their fulsome support for her. While the boys seemed more reticent, I don't know, they probably tried to still work out what a cochlear implant is. Um, and it feels as though the girls are really clutching at straws about finding the boys that they've been coupled with attractive. And they rely on comments about how nice the, their boy smells. Perhaps they're hoping that the pheromones, based on a person's bodily scent, might work its magic. Amber says she's grateful for Dan, Dami's sense of humour and ability to crack a few jokes. And it really feels as though the bar is set pretty low. These are hardly red hot comments that you might expect when you are with a new person. 
On the first night when the Italian bombshell David was ushered into the villa, the original boys really began to look even more like boys next door, where David looked like a fully grown-up man. Clearly, it seems that Love Island aren't taking any prisoners this year, and someone is going to be sent home very soon. And it's not been long enough yet to build any loyalties between the easy-to-exchange original boys and girls. And interestingly, when the bombshells arrived, the idea that the public chose the first coupling, all the boys were very ready, very quick and very ready to point out, well, we didn't choose the girls that were coupled up with, so we don't have any loyalty to them, which has been a real downside of the public making their choices. So meanwhile, Paige tells Lucas she's obsessed with romantic fiction very early on and that, you know, that she reads a lot of romantic fiction and using that of a measure of reality when you're dating someone is probably as potentially damaging as believing porn should reflect real life sex. As it becomes clearer that David is interested in Gemma and the whole dilemma that I don't think Love Island producers had considered at the beginning of this setup, um, the public are now asking for a minimum age of 21. And that could ha- that could happen for the next and subsequent series. With the public are threatening to report to Ofcom if this coupling is allowed to continue, and continue it is. Liam, who was originally coupled with Gemma, asks the boys if he stands a chance against David, and they tell him to back himself and not give up. They advise him to do factor 50 grafting. It's sad to see. All of it is sad to see. Um, Andrew attempts attempts to divert Tash's interest in Luca by lying that Luca had said Tash wasn't even in his top three. Honestly, it's very, it's crazy to lie when you're all living held hostage in the villa. You're all living in close, such close proximity. It seems really dumb to lie. So uh, he got caught out. He got caught out by Tash and he got caught out by Luca. So and it's not been good for him. It's it's not helped at all. Um, on the fourth night, when the two bombshells arrived, they're you know they're coming in late and they have to they have to decide a game plan. So they've gone they've really gone for it and they are they look like experts. They really know Ekansu and Afia. They're goddesses compared to the girls next door, and they are experts in chatting, flirting, and turning heads. And they're going for it. And in fact, to such an extent that Ekansu, you know, gets um, David off of Gemma and he seems very willing to go. So we'll have to see what next week brings and we'll have to see whether they're trying harder with coupling up, with whether they're trying harder with small talk. We've had some ridiculous examples of, of the boys behaving like it's, I don't know, the 1900s where... You know, Luca commented about girls kissing girls and surely that's not right. And here we are in 2022 and it all seems very tragic that those conversations still come about. And you really wonder where is woke, but maybe woke doesn't have much of a place on Love Island. We'll see. That's it for now. More next week. Bye.